Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hey, everyone. It's me, Corey, and this is our 2022 Motivational Mondays year-end wrap-up. We are so honored to have every guest on our show, and we love every episode. So we thought we'd do a wrap-up of a few of our favorites, and we hope you enjoy. On his popular Anatomy of Success podcast, entrepreneur and motivational speaker Steve Wallenhouse, he shares thoughtful perspectives on how we can all live a more fulfilling life. And according to Steve, it all comes down to the four tenets of equanimity. So what are the four tenets that you speak of in this book? You know, it's it's super simple for me, and it's a reflection of the things that I've done in my life that I've discovered on a daily basis provide me with joy and meaning, which elevates happiness each and every day. And so many people, again, in recent research are just very unhappy. We're living in a troubled time, Corey, where people are depressed, teens. I just wrote an article about this. There's a higher rate of suicide and depression among teens of all races, ethnicities, sexual orientations, and genders. So this is not a thing unique to certain individuals. And that's why you know, we got to stop focusing on all these things and get serious about this generation of young people that are troubled and disoriented. And I believe there are some serious reasons why that's the case, which I'd be happy to elaborate on uh, in another episode. But, you know, the four tenets come into play because it puts health and wellness at the foundation of our efforts individually to take command of our life and start to move in the direction of greater life satisfaction. And I have found, and so many other people I know that are successful in life, highly successful people that are operating at a high frequency, you know, they make health and wellness top priority. And what people don't realize, I spend six hours a day on wellness, no exaggeration, whether it's workouts and intense workouts, you know, stretching, yoga, long walks, reading, learning, growing, developing, using my mind and my body. The average CEO, I can promise you, doesn't come anywhere close to spending that kind of time every day. So the whole formula is lopsided. We have these people that are charging ahead full steam with their eyes shut in life, doing a good job. They're smart, capable, talented people, but they don't take nearly enough time to have this dedication to health and wellness, which obviates the stress and the frustration and the tension and all the friction that frequently manifests itself in a very unpleasant way in our relationships, personally and professionally. Not to mention the fact that if your health is in disarray, Corey, your whole life is out of balance. Yeah. You know, you can have as much money as you want, the biggest business you want, the prettiest wife or husband or boyfriend, girlfriend you want. But if you're flat on your back nursing some really serious health-related issues, Sorry, that stuff means absolutely nothing. So that's the first tenet. And then healthy relationships, intimate relationships, whatever those are for you, you know, take it seriously. Have a good one. You know, be good at it. Don't just take it casually and don't take the people in your life casually. Friendships, family, absolutely important. And then, of course, satisfying work which is something that's frequently overlooked because so many people just, it's the Monday mentality. Oh, you know, here's work, got to do it until Friday. Hip, hip, hooray, here's the weekend. You're living your life like that. You're on a track consistent with 
you know, finding probably burnout at some point, and certainly you're not going to be very happy living up to your true potential professionally. So I encourage people to find meaning, satisfaction in whatever they do professionally. And those are the four tenets. And if we focus on those things, as you can imagine, there's plenty of opportunity every day to find happiness and feel like we're making progress. I couldn't agree more with Steve because, you know, it's like they say, if you love what you do for a living, you never work a day in your life. Next up is Janet T. Fan. She is the founder and executive director of Thriving Elements, a nonprofit organization that creates access and opportunities for underserved and underrepresented girls in the STEM research fields. Now, Janet is first generation Vietnamese American. And in this next clip, she shared with me her personal reflection, her early years trying to navigate living life between two very different cultures. A big part of your story is, of course, anchored in your ethnicity. So I would love for you to share, what is your um, your heritage, your ethnic background? Um, my ethnicity, I'm Vietnamese. And then mm, I was born okay. here um, in Seattle. And so I will identify as Vietnamese American. Okay. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And I know that's such a big part of your story, too, is the first generation Vietnamese, um, I guess, parents who are here in America, raising a now an American daughter, right? And having right. this sort of conflict a little bit of, um, I guess, the cultural conflict as far as maybe what life would have been like raising you in Vietnam versus America. So can you talk a little bit about some of that experience and, and the mm -hmm. diff difficulties you had with that? Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was just me as I was growing up. But later on in life, I realized uh, there are others who are straddling this line between two cultures being uh, where their parents came from and their ethnicity and then being American. And so for my parents, uh, they were refugees from Vietnam because of the war. And so coming here and raising me, it was just difficult for them as they didn't know how to navigate the American education system, the, um, the American professional system. And then also especially when you're going through grade school, middle school, high school, you see all of your Americans doing X and then your parents telling you, you can't do X because they don't understand what that is. Or me wanting to do community service or having the opportunity to compete in future business leaders of America at the state level where I have to travel all the way across the state. And they challenge me on, well, is that helping you make money? Is it helping you for college? Like you should be staying at home because all they knew knew was staying at home and studying and doing well in school and your schoolwork is going to get you far. And so they didn't know all of these extra stuff. Yes. Yes. And would you say then um, those are sort of cultural norms then within your the Vietnamese culture would be that that would pretty much be the path, right? That your parents would expect in general. Correct. For their generation and what they knew about the American culture, because a lot of it they learned on TV as well. So in addition to these cultural norms that they thought um, were normal based on what they saw on TV. Um, it was also reflected on me when they were watching things back in the day, there was like 
the Jerry Springers, the Jenny Johns, and and they yeah, and, like, and they oh, were terrified. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they don't want their daughter um, needing to figure out who the uh, baby's father is. I, I don't know, right? Or doing right, drugs. right, right. And so yeah, I'm yeah. defending myself, trying to do community service, extracurricular activities, and then also defending myself against what they see on TV. Mm, yeah. That's so interesting because I had not even thought about the perspective of what a family from another country would assess would be American if they got here and they turned on like the housewives or yeah. they turned on Jerry Springer and there's like a chair being thrown across the stage. Uh, yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about, I know they were like, no, you're not leaving the house. So I totally get it. What a great inspirational story. Thank you, Janet, so much for sharing it with us. You know, America is, after all, a country of immigrants. And so when I hear those stories about the American dream coming to life for immigrant families, well, it makes us know that America is like no other place in the world. In one of my most moving conversations ever on Motivational Mondays, foster care reform advocate and CNN hero Rob Shear shared how his early life in a deeply flawed foster care system inspired him to advocate for changes that will better the lives of kids in foster care today. See, Corey, we are known in the D.C. area for these huge toy drives that the Shears would do. And we would collect thousands of toys in front of Ben's Chili Bowl. Local radio stations would come, local celebrities, politicians. And this one particular year, I said, I don't want to do it. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, what are we teaching our children? We're teaching our kids that you buy that needy kid a toy and you pat yourself on the back and everybody feels good. I said, how are we truly impacting children in the system? And he said to me, what do you want to do? And I literally pulled out a trash bag out of my desk, which I have one here. I never allowed to be far from me because I never want to forget where I came from. And I laid it on the desk and I said, I want to eliminate trash bags in D.C. foster care system. He literally looked at me and said, you're batshit crazy. I said, I know that's why you <laughs> married me. I said, we can do this. So we gathered members of our church and my senior staff, some local politicians. And I told my story, the story that I just shared with you. People were shocked, tears in the room. And then I told them about what a child deserves to have, a community that shows them love and shows them love by giving them something of their own, a brand new pair of pajamas, their own lotion, shampoo, conditioner, their bar soap, their own toothbrush and toothpaste. Every child deserves an activity. They all deserve a book because if you educate a child's mind, you actually educate your future. I wanted every child to get a stuffy. And then finally, my son, Grayson, he was five years old at the time when we packed our first case. He said, daddy, Everybody needs a blankie. I said, a blankie? I said, Grayson, you know these kids are not cold. He said, I know, Daddy. But every time they wrap themselves up in their blankie, they know we love them. See, Corey, that's what we all want. We want to be loved. We want to know that we're not disposable. We're not invisible. And with that, we packed a comfort case and another and another. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, 10 years later, we have packed and delivered over 175,000 cases. We have wow. delivered them to That's all 50 states, D.C. and Puerto Rico. And by the way, during the height of the pandemic, when we all woke up and didn't know what was going on, children in foster care, they live through that every day. 
every day is mm. a pandemic for them. My husband and I, we were gathering our team and opening up an office in the United Kingdom where over 84,000 children are in foster care there. And by the way, they carry trash bags just like here. Such an inspiration and what a great guy and a terrific father. So I encourage you all to learn more about Rob Shear, check him out online and consider supporting his cause. Naja Hall is a dynamic certified family life educator and life coach and brand new beauty entrepreneur. She's a whole lot of fun and very savvy. And in this next clip from our motivational conversation, Naja gives her career advice that can actually be applied to your personal life as well. You're doing so well in your career in media, and I think you're a great role model for other young women looking to get into the media field. So just if you um, have a few words of advice or wisdom about a young college student, perhaps, or someone in college in general, yeah, looking to get into the media career, what would you suggest are some, some steps to take? If you are looking to embark on your media career, I would say this, no matter how old you are, no matter what type of equipment you have, start today. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. My first podcast, I recorded it from my phone. That one probably got maybe 50 listens, 50 downloads, but you know what? I just kept going. I literally mm -hmm. kept going. My, my podcast now, um, I think we're getting 10, 20,000 downloads per episode, wow. but that's just simply because I kept going. Also, Talk about what you want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Be free and be yourself. Think about what your future self would want to hear. Always put things out that your grandma would never be ashamed to hear. Um, or your parents or some adult or some person out there that you respect. Maybe a mentor. Think about yourself in the future. Be very careful and guard your image. Because you don't want things that you say. Because we know cancel culture is real. We don't want things that you say when you're 20 years old to come back and bite you when you're the CEO at 40 years old. So just be very mindful with your words. Always be fair. Most importantly, be consistent. Always, always, always be putting something out. Make sure you stay on the top of people's minds. Don't engage in social media fights unless you're getting paid for it. Don't do that. Um, and just always make sure you lead with love. Everything that I've done, even if it's been from um, a painful experience, has always been with the purpose of me teaching others so that I could save somebody else going through some of the things that I've gone through. So, um, yeah, be consistent, lead with love, guard your image and watch your mouth. <laughs> Thank you, Naja. Watch your mouth is probably the most actionable advice we've ever given here on Motivational Mondays. A lot easier to say than to do. Brian Terrell Clark has made a name for himself in music TV and, of course, Broadway, where he starred in hit shows like Hamilton and Thoughts of a Colored Man. Now, Brian's also a passionate motivational speaker who advocates for achieving for success through living life as your most authentic self. I'm at the place right now in my life, Corey, where if it's not a yes if it's not a, oh, I'm excited about this, then that usually means it's a no. And I think that as actors, because we fight so long um, and we have seasons of, of not working, that sometimes we, we think we just need to take anything and everything. But the truth is that our, our, our biggest superpower as an actor is the ability to say no. Um, no, I don't think this aligns with, with my, 
my vision of what I want to put out to the world. Because that's the other thing we have to realize as artists, we're really, really important to the fabric of society. We're important to culture. Um, we reflect, as Nina Simone said, we're like a mirror. We reflect culture back to itself. And I think that um, we have to be careful about what we're pouring into people's ears, what we're pouring um, into people's, you know, vision. What is it that we, that, what, what is it that we want society to be and how do we um, reinforce that through the stories that we tell? And so I, I'd love to, to think that somewhere deep down, I was super clear with the universe and that's why these projects came. But I have to be honest, in the beginning, you know, you do kind of take what you can get. Um, I do also think that you end up getting the things that reflect what you are, because that's the things you shine the most in. So that also makes sense. I'm booking those roles because those auditions are probably my best auditions. And that comes down to your technical skill. Yes. Yes. And that's the other thing that I would tell anybody too. You know, I think we, we, we are in such a microwave society where we want everything fast. And, you know, I'm going to keep saying it over and over and over again on this podcast. You don't want it fast. You want it to last and you want to be good at what you do. I'm creating work right now. I'm writing films and TV shows and I'm in the early development stage. I'm I'm learning what it is to develop um, narrative and story and and in these different mediums. And I have friends all the time that are like, so when you going to put me on? You know, hey, when, when you gonna, when you gonna give me a call so I can meet such and such or when you gonna give me a call so I can play a role in this? Why don't you write me a role for that? And the truth of the matter is, when the time comes, will you be ready? Will you be ready for that thing that you've been saying you want? Are you really ready? And I realize that sometimes we despise the in-between time. I'm telling you all the magic happens on the in-between time. I'm shooting a TV show right now in DR. And by the time they say action, they are so concerned with the lighting, the camera angles, the timing, all of those things. They're not really as invested in the actor's process. Every now and then you get a director who's an actor's director, but there's so many other elements that are controlling that performance. Once they put music to it, the way it's edited, that performance is not really... um all dependent on you. So you kind of have to show up and be ready to do your job. And nobody can really tell you how to do that. You've got to have that training and have that history already in the bag. They hired you because they want you to show up and three, two, one action. Boom. It's there and cut. So, so the time that you have where you're not working, the time that you have while you're waiting, that's the time. That's magical. That's the time to develop. That's the time to become your best self. So when it is time for you to be revealed, what we get to see is your authenticity, your process, your work, your magic. I so agree with Brian on this one. If you can't be you and you don't know how to be your most authentic self, how can you bring your most authentic magic to the world? Be you. In another one of our favorite episodes of Motivational Mondays, we featured Dr. Dustin York. So much useful information. He's a leading communications expert and a really, really cool guy, too. Now, we had a conversation discussing how students can benefit from understanding the differences between verbal and nonverbal communication. But more importantly, we also had a great conversation regarding how to approach conflict resolution. First, conflict resolution is one of those things a lot of people are just scared of. 
right? I just, I don't want to be part of it. I want to, I'll give into your side or there, there adds conflict over time. And it's like the snowball effect, et cetera. So I tell you what, so for the students listening, I always like, so, you know, this is how I think this, is how I do these keynotes and my classes and trainings and whatnot. I try to be as applicable as possible. Like, Give me something I can use today, right? Don't tell me about a, a theory or abstract thing or, you know, Aristotle necessarily, but tell me something I can use today. So I'll give you this real quick. Um, here's how to win a conflict situation, especially in the first to begin the conflict situation. You and I are conflicting, let's say something easy, right? You can obviously fill in the blank of something more uh, high end, but I think vanilla ice cream is the best. You think strawberry ice cream is the best. Okay. Obviously fill in the blank for your own thing. So we disagree. Here's how you think about it, right? From a branding perspective, from a conflict uh, resolution perspective. First, I want you to go first on why do you think strawberry ice cream is the best? That's the pro tip. Rookies, what they do is they go first, never go first. Please, Corey, tell me about why you think strawberry is the best, right? And you'll tell me, right? Strawberry, boom, boom, boom. These reasons. This is what you have to do. Okay, this is an, a big point in conflict resolution, big moment right here. What I have to do is I have to say literally this, Corey, what I hear you saying is you think strawberry is the best because X, Y, and Z, is that correct? Now, don't be passive aggressive or like downplay your thoughts, right? Like you're not trying, oh, you just think this. No, legitimately what, paraphrase what they just told you. Is that right? Your goal is to get my case, Corey, I want you to say, that's right. That's the key. Because here's the thing, Corey, if I if you just had your, your side about strawberry, and if I just jump into why vanilla is the best, what do you feel? You feel unheard. Oh, yeah. Did you even yeah, listen absolutely. to me? Right? <laughs> you had no, what are my points? You, had, you were just thinking about your side while I was talking. So in order to de-escalate that situation, I'm going to focus on what this is what you believe. I'm not saying I believe it, but I, what I'm here you saying is you believe it's X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? If I can get you to say, yeah, that's correct. I'm actually going back to nonverbals. I'm going to see you sort of relax. You're going to be like, yeah, yeah, that is correct. Right. I'm going to see you relax. That sort of barrier, that wall you have up is going to come down a little bit. So when then I go into vanilla side, you're going to listen. Right. You're not going to be defensive and trying to fight me as much anymore because we're having this kind of uh, good conversation. I've, I've shown good faith at this point. So that's just one tactical tip that one sentence I would say students use immediately use with your, your roommate that won't clean up their side of the room or Thanksgiving when that one family member is going off about that one conspiracy theory. Use this, use this strategy immediately. <laughs> Keep that advice handy, because if there's one thing we need today, it's more conflict resolution. One of our most popular episodes ever of Motivational Mondays features Stephanie Shojai. Now, she's a leader in luxury real estate development in South Florida. And in this clip, Stephanie explains why she refers to being a Latina as her superpower. I have this book. <laughs> Mm -hmm. That was written by, and I just interviewed her two weeks ago, Daniela Pierre Bravo. Do you know her from MSNBC? And she's on Morning Joe, and she's uh, from Hispanic heritage. Maybe it might, maybe if I see her face. Well, you know, I bring it up because literally verbatim, <laughs> you know, a very similar story. She had to 
sort of exist with the undocumented status and mm-hmm. the parents. And so she had to rise above all that. And I really feel that because of that and because of your adversity, do you, and I'll just see if it relates to what she says, do you think that drove you to be hyper successful even more so because you almost out of necessity had to do that? Absolutely. 100%. You know, when you grow in a household where you're seeing your parents work extra hard, where you know that you have to be better than the person next to you, you have to be more prepared. You have to just really race harder and stronger. It, it teaches you that since a very young age. I still remember my parents taking the test to become residents of of the United States. And I was very, very young having to teach my parents English because the test obviously was in English and like having to see that struggle. um, It made me at at a very young age want to be, you know, a step ahead. Right. Yeah. She mentions that exact same thing. In fact, her book is called The Other and it's about women of color, how they have to sort of exist in these worlds where they are uh, in some ways made to feel invisible because of stigma and stereotype. And then what happens is if you can hone who you are and live in your authenticity, you empower yourself and you show up as your full Latina Colombian woman self and own the situation. So I know your heritage is a, a big part of why you say also you've been successful. So explain more about that. So it's one of the things that I actually pride myself in, especially now in the role that I have, is to have an all-woman Latina team um, working here at Shoma, especially predominantly in the marketing department. And one of the things I like to teach them is to make sure that they're always authentic to who they are. Because if you walk into a meeting and you are really who you are, you are not worrying about pretending to be someone else, knowing the subject and and following everything that's being discussed in the meeting. So for me, it's super important that you own exactly who you are. You dress how you identify, how you feel. So for me, that's one of the main things I try to to teach girls. But I think the Hispanic heritage uh, for sure, you know, I think is one of my, my, my superpowers. I think that it's made me such a hard worker having to, like you said, I have to identify with who I am and like work harder so that I don't get shadowed in the back, which I did get always put back in the back, even in in kindergarten. There's so many things that you think a teacher doesn't realize that a little kid will always take with them. I remember them saying to take out a red crayon and I was very young, but I didn't know what red was or what color I knew crayon. Um, but I was like picking up all the colors and the teacher kind of just like, didn't make me the line leader because obviously I wasn't going to lead. So she put me all the way in the back versus like maybe teaching me this was the red and like you know, helping me at a very young age. I knew like I was going to be placed in the back. I was a Hispanic girl. You know, my parents probably didn't even no, not probably didn't understand what the teacher was saying. Um, nowadays I feel like the world slowly adjusted to being a little bit more understanding to wanting to learn about other cultures. It's a little bit more open. It wasn't like that when I was younger, you know, you don't speak English too bad. You know, I, at that time, I don't know if you remember, they had that little calculator. There's a calculator and you type in, you have to like type in Spanish. It was like a, a little digital, uh, okay. little digital translator. Oh, wow. No, no. <laughs> I'm old. Well, listen, I mean, I just remember that whole idea of like, for me, I had a, one of my close family friends growing up, they were Puerto Rican. And I was immersed in like, what's that language you're speaking? And what's that food? Bacalao, what is that? You know, <laughs> I don't know, what is that? Like the curiosity of children, I think, is there. I think the adults in the room, to your point, that teacher, they're the ones who tend to screw it up a little bit. Kids have a natural curiosity. I mean, I love 
um, learning more about other things. And I think that's a natural place to be. I think the, I think the adults in a room. Well, that's what makes you special. I, really, I, I, I do, because I still remember being that young girl and my mom cooking, for example, let's say bacalao or mm. uh, platanitos and, you know, Same all the food that I would eat. And I would be like, mom, the house smells like Spanish food. My friend's coming over. She can't know that our food doesn't smell like her ah. food. And my mom would, it was like a dagger to her heart, but you're, you're little and you, I wanted to be understood and respected mm. and like coming to my house and smelling my Hispanic food was not cool. Because you were going to maybe go to school and like bully me or, oh, her house smells like Spanish food. Our, our food has a strong smell. Versus now I look back and I'm like, why did I even care? Her parents were like making pizza and like. <laughs> okay. Like you should have been, you should have been like selling mama's plates, honey. But like, you know how enterprising you are. You should have been, <laughs> I should have been like making Stephanie's kitchen. I wish I could go back so much and, and speak to that. The young version of mm. me, like the five, six year old that had such a, a tough time. But I. I would speak to her, but I don't think I would change anything because it really made me exactly who I am today. Like I said, it, it really was my, my superpower. I, I, I still try to find that, it, that moment that like changed everything for me where I was like, I'm going to stop hiding it. And my life's going to change if I just start embracing it. Oh, such great advice from Stephanie. And it doesn't just apply to women. It's a rule we all should adhere to as we seek to achieve a more fulfilling and successful life. Always be your most authentic self. Embrace who you are because like the expression says, be you because everybody else is already taken. That's it. Thanks for checking out our 2022 wrap up of Motivational Mondays. I look forward to bringing you all great new episodes in the new year. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.